Today's special Saturday episode of the BS Podcast of the Rigor Podcast Network brought to you by The Zone. If you didn't have The Zone last weekend, you would have missed Andrew Ruiz Jr. upsetting Anthony Joshua in one of the great heavyweight fights of the last few years. He's going to be on this podcast later to discuss it. Getting set up with The Zone is easy. Download the DAZN app in the Apple or Android app store. Sign up by creating an account. Start watching across any of your devices. Go to DAZN.com to sign up. We're also brought to you by SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event. And we have some good sporting events. I know basketball's over, but I think we got MLS, we got baseball, we got football coming up, college football. Preseason yeah. hoops, football. Preseason football. I can't wait. I'm gonna do it. You're this year. excited for preseason football? I'm just excited for football. Oh, there you go. Well, use promo code BS for ten dollars off first SeatGeek purchase. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. Don't forget about Big Little Live, our new post game show. After Big Little Lies runs on HBO, go to Twitter, go to at Ringer, go to hashtag Big Little Live, and you can uh, watch Mina Kimes and Amanda Dobbins break down. The first episode, also the Ringer Dish podcast launched this week to rave reviews. Hope you subscribe to that. Hope you subscribe to Pressbox, which is now on the old Channel 33 feed two times per week. Coming up, Joe House and I are going to break down a memorable game four and just an incredible point of Kawhi Leonard's career and NBA history feels like it's shifting a little bit on its axis. Then Andy Ruiz Jr. coming up after that. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, it's not too many things that would get us to A, work on a Saturday, B, wake nephew Kyle up where he's like ready to go at 9.45 in the morning when I picked him up, and then C, pull house away from his family on a beautiful Saturday in the East Coast. But hey, a lot of shit going on right now. The finals, it's three to one. Toronto is one win away. More importantly, Kawhi Leonard is close to putting a ribbon on one of the great postseason runs of all time. House, your brief thoughts. Oh, Canada, <laughs> our home and native land. Um, my, my, my briefest thought is congratulations, Canada. You're going to have your first you know, major sport title since 1993 because the Toronto Raptors are winning this series. Um, there, unless Kevin Durant uh, flew to Germany overnight last night from the West Coast uh, and is going to arrive in Toronto Monday with uh, some kind of uh, a blood transplant, surgically enhanced calf replacement surgery, the uh, poor warriors are done. Yeah, Kobe and LeBron would have figured out some sort of foreign country help by the by this point, I feel like. I think KD wants likes to stay in America. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad you brought him up because I was thinking last night, and kudos to Toronto and Kawhi and all that stuff. Injuries happen every year. This is not an excuse. It would have been really cool if KD was in this series healthy, battling Kawhi. I really think that at the level Kawhi is playing at now, if KD was at the level he was at, you know, two rounds ago, 
those guys going mano a mano would have been really special. I mean, that that would have that could have been potentially one of the five or six greatest powwows we've had in the finals, you know? So we were we were cheated uh, of that. Um but you but know, the real mano a mano w- would be Kawhi healthy as well because his left knee is messed up. He doesn't dunk off of one foot. He right. hasn't dunked off one foot this whole series. Yeah, and that's what's made. Uh, I don't feel it's weird. I don't feel like the announcers have talked about that enough. It does seem like he's like seventy five percent healthy or seventy percent healthy, but his footwork is so good, and just the 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 force of will he has. I I'm trying to put in perspective historically what he's doing and it's pretty crazy like you're talking he's averaging a 31 9 for this entire postseason which you know 22 games now that list of just dudes who have done that you're talking LeBron last year Jordan 92 Hakeem in 95 LeBron in 17 Jordan in 91 and 89 Kareem in 74 Jordan in 90, Kareem in 80, LeBron in 09, Jerry West in 66. And those are, that's it for people who played 14 games or more. Just 31 and 9. Like, just to do that night after night for two months is insane. But then on top of it, like the 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 two-way, the two-way play and and his defense, not just this series, but especially against Giannis when they really needed it. Um and then on top of it, just we don't see forwards usually dominate the finals like this that, or the whole postseason like this. There's only been a couple. There's Even Durant has never had a own the playoffs through four rounds type of things. We're talking LeBron. We're talking Larry Bird. talking Tim Duncan. And that's, that's kind of really it. Yeah, I, I have a few inputs on these historical superlatives to share also. And then I have a, a question for you. Uh, I want to ask you first, the, the list of NBA players with 35 points and zero turnovers in a road game in the <laughs> NBA Finals. Do you, you know that list? Is it just Kawhi? Kawhi and Michael Jordan. Wow. Yeah, well, And so just quickly interrupting you on that, I think that's been one of the things that has made this Kawhi run so special. It's not he's not just doing this at home. Like really some of his best moments have been on the road. I I think Zach Lowe wrote in in his ESPN piece today about the three that Kawhi hit in game four of the Philly series when they were down two one, it just seemed like Philly had more talent than them. You and I both thought Philly was going to win that series. And uh, I think Reddick had just hit a three. It was 91, 90. Kawhi came down They're double teaming him with Embiid. And he somehow figured out a way to get this three off right before the shot clock buzzer goes in. They're up four. They survive. They tie the series. And then that leads to what he did in uh, in game seven. But he's been really, really big and really, really clutch on the road. Game five, Toronto. The game last night, you know, we felt like you felt at halftime. We all felt like, oh man, how is Toronto only down four? Like this is this is crazy. They they absolutely suck. This is the worst they played in three weeks. They're down four. Come out at halftime and he hits those two threes in a row. That was like some Jordan shit, didn't you think? Yeah, exactly right. That is that's the only comparison that's appropriate. He comes out. It's a force of will moment. He refuses to let 
his team win. There are two junctures in the game. He scores 14 of his team's 17 points in the first quarter because whether it's, it's conscious or subconscious, he, he detects the fact that there is, there is something wrong with his team in the first quarter of that game. They're missing energy. They're missing chemistry. They're missing something. So he just takes over for his team the, the, the offensive responsibility. And then he, uh, you know, same way, processes during halftime what his team needs and comes out and immediately resets the agenda for the, for the rest of the game with, with two humongous, really series-defining shots that you know, will go down in, in, in Toronto lore as really, to me, the, 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 the turning point of, of the entire uh, series and the thing that, that defines him individually. And it, it, it's the reason that he's going to be the MVP of these NBA, NBA Finals. And I I don't say this casually because I thought about it last night and I thought about it this morning and I'm I'm ready to say this and I don't feel like it's hyperbole. I think Durant is one of the best 15 players of all time. And I I, I still think I would have him ranked higher than Kawhi just because the depth of his career and the consistency and the year after year after year and some of his greatest moments, um, I just think he's had a better career. I think Kawhi's ceiling is a tiny bit higher because his ability to kind of control a game without controlling it and then step in when necessary, which he's been doing basically for four rounds where he, he, his sense, which is really at another level of the game's going this way. I'm going to let it go this way. I'm going to let, and now I'm going to yeah, kind of grab the reins back. IQ. Yeah. It's something he's an different Einstein level basketball genius. It's like intuition. Well, what's crazy is, there was really no, no inclination of this until two years ago. The, the, the 2007 postseason when he was really brilliant and that was kind of lingering over the whole Kawhi trade thing last summer. It was like, well, the upside is that guy in the 2017 playoffs was out of control. I mean, he'd already, he'd won, he'd won the 14th title. He'd done a really good two-way job against LeBron and all that stuff. But what he did the entire... 2017 season and then in the playoffs it was like oh that's that's the ceiling if you trade for this guy and he ends up being healthy um I, what he's doing in this playoffs and especially um these last three rounds where I think he really went to another level I don't I just don't know if Durant could be that consistently impactful on both ends I think he can be 90 yeah. percent there but there's some there's something going on with Kawhi that I can't say I've fully ever seen with Durant. The the control well, of every aspect of the game, I don't feel like KD has ever put all of that together. We have the luxury, and I'm going to knock on wood right now because I don't want anything to derail this, but uh, Kawhi is three years younger than Durant. I mean, he's 27 yeah. years old. So we should have, again, I'm knocking on wood, at least another solid four years, five years, maybe six years, if he could stay healthy and be in the right system. And maybe this is the new uh, iteration of regular season NBA basketball. Maybe your superstars only play, uh, you know, 60 some games because we, we have now observed how grueling the finals are, the postseason is. And when they start the season in, in October, the way they did to space out, you know, over the course of the regular season, to, to eliminate, you know, or minimize the back-to-back -back game, 
you have to manage these guys' minutes. I mean, another, you know, series-defining sort of element of this quick sub-tangent is Steph Curry being entirely out of gas last night. Like, he's just dead on his feet after an unbelievable performance Wednesday night. And sub-sub-tangent, can we please complain? Why the F did they play last night? Why wasn't that game tonight? Why did they play Friday night, Bilson? I looked at it, and you end up you end up having to do Friday if you're going to do it correctly. Unfortunately, you, you what could correctly mean the because you can either do multiple Saturdays or just have the one Friday where you just kind of get it out of the way. Because they what they wanted was the two days rest between each road trip. So that's that was the reason for so it. So what they they control their schedule. Push go. Forward. I know. Go, we, push like, it back. I listen. I, oh. I looked at it. They could go Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, Tuesday, Friday. Like they, there has to be a Friday, no matter how you flip it. Unfortunately, why? Um, just take the extra I'm day. just telling you. I looked anyway, at it. I'll, I'll leave that alone. <laughs> so I, I don't. It, they they control their own schedule. And what? Anyway, I'll leave it alone. So the the regular season versus playoffs thing. I was trying to think of how many guys actually got better in the playoffs. Because Ka- Kawhi is better in the playoffs than he is in the regular season. He goes up a level, which is kind of what we dream about in our little hot take media world of the guys who come through and it matters. And this guy goes up a level when the playoffs happen. Doesn't happen very often. You know, I think even, even if you just go through stats and stuff and you just look at regular season stats, playoff stats, people are usually around the same. The field goal shooting goes down a little bit. Um, Pretty rarely do you see somebody go up a level. I think Jordan was was somebody that did that. Um, I think Hakeem Olajuwon did, especially those those uh, the two Houston years. Shaq, no question, in two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand two, like just just kind of ratcheted it up a notch. Um, other than that, people usually are who they are. Regular season playoffs. Kawhi is better in the playoffs. <laughs> You're supposed to be your boy Kyrie. That was supposed to be the distinguishing yeah, factor. I'm not, I'm not talking him. about him. Um, no. Remember, remember uh, I wrote a column and then I did a whole thing about it in my basketball book about the 42 club. Like the, yeah. mo- the most simple way to decide whether somebody was having a meaningful postseason, it was points, rebounds, and assists for an entire playoffs. And it had to be at least 13 games. And somehow that turned out to be the perfect number where it was able to cut off all of these Carl Malone playoffs. You and I, he's like our least favorite playoff player. Um, if you do the 42 club where the guy had to make the finals, here's the list house. LeBron did it four, uh, five times. Bird four times. Jordan four times. Shaq those three straight times. Moses twice in 81, 83. Hakeem twice in 94 and 95. Oh, by the way, this is post ABA merger. So 76 on. Kareem in 1980, Magic in 91, Barkley 93, Kobe in 01, Iverson in 01 is the only outlier on this whole list, Duncan 03, mm-hmm. and Kawhi in 2019 is a 45.4 right now. That's the entire list. That's an incredible list. Look at that. LeBron, Bird, Jordan, Shaq, Moses, Akeem, Kareem, Magic, Barkley, Kobe, Iverson, Duncan, Kawhi. Other than Iverson... Those are probably the best players of the last 45 years. That's right? true. Except for Durant. Durant's, Durant's the only one missing. Durant came 
really close. And he actually did it in 2014. They didn't make the finals. So there, then there's the 42 club, no finals where you play at least 14 games or whatever. LeBron had three, Jordan had two, Malone had two, Westbrook had two, Magic won, Shaq won, Duncan won, KG won, Durant won, Blake Griffin, 2015, 44.3. And then uh, Giannis this year. So. I would, yeah, I I want to go back to your point about Durant in the top 15, not Kawhi. I mean, you, we're, we're making a pretty good case here. It, it's coming. I feel like it's coming. Again, I'm knocking on wood here, but I think what because of what Kawhi does on both sides of the ball. Now, it, it has over the last, like, say, 18 months, um, Durant has improved his defense, and there's been public recognition, acknowledgement of how impactful he is defensively. He would be guarding Kawhi in these playoffs, and that would put uh, Draymond in his natural roving defender health, yeah. you know, the, the incredible job that he does. So everything flows from the proposition of, of KD playing defense, you know, uh, on, on Kawhi. And it is the single thing to me that is really, again, sort of the series defining thing. Golden State cannot stop Toronto. They cannot string together stops to keep Toronto from running downhill. Toronto has won 13 of 16 quarters in these finals so far. But I think Kawhi on both sides of the ball as a 27-year-old, and if he stays healthy, his ceiling to me is higher than KD. I, I, I just, you know, I, I think he is an MVP candidate every year, except I think the correct thing for him, if he has these leg troubles, is just to play between 60 and 65 games a season and then come in and kick ass in the postseason and define his legacy, his career that way, he was going to be one of three players to have won an MVP finals award on two different teams. Yeah. It's a, and it's a, it's a list of three. Yeah, it's early. I, I need to see a few more seasons at this level because I, I think the thing that's separate when you start getting into that top 20 one of the one of the variables you have to have is the consistency and just banking great seasons you know there's there's been guys who so you had, want some endurance you want some endurance yeah you need you need some stuff like yeah bill walton's the worst example of this cuz he really only had one great season but you want you know when when you when you're doing it kd's talked about this the consistency of year after year being out there being healthy putting up great numbers being in big games once you get into that top 14, 15, those are the guys that have been doing that for 12, 13 years. I think, I think what, what Kawhi has shown this, this playoffs combined with 2017, combined with what he did in the 2013, 14, when he was young is he has a chance to be one of the best forwards of all time. He's probably already there, but I always thought the best forwards of all time, you know, you're talking Duncan, talking Bird. Um, Durant, and uh, I'm leaving somebody out. Duncan Bird, I mean, Durant. Oh, and LeBron. Le I'm so no, LeBron. Sorry, LeBron. Uh, <laughs> yeah, in the the greatest forwards of all time are LeBron, Duncan Bird, Durant was in the four spot. Kawhi's climbing, and you know, I I think this leads to. I know we're going to talk about this all summer, but if they do win the title and they win the title on 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 Monday night. And he's in a really great situation. 
And he's got an awesome front office that's not afraid to spend money. The Gasol trade has paid off in dividends. Like the passing and and just the know-how that Incredible. he's brought the last two rounds has been really important. Um, so smart. Lowry's an expiring. Ibaka's an expiring. They actually have a chance to make one more run with this team, but then also potentially rebuild a little bit. This is probably the best basketball situation for him. Going to the Clippers... You know, and all of these new people that you've never really played with and you're trusting that other people are going to come. If he does that, that's purely lifestyle. There's no other reason for it because he's in a better basketball situation where he is right now. He's in the best possible basketball situation he could be in. You're right about that. You use the word trust. I mean, part of that trust thing, and it's what soured his relationship in San Antonio, is they clearly have an understanding and a game plan as it relates to his health, his well-being, his load management. They sure did knock that out of the park from my perspective because yeah. he, he he's dinged and he's still killing it these these playoffs. But do, do you um, feel do I, you I, feel like it's realistic now that he stays cuz I thought I would have bet anything he was going to the Clippers. If he wins the title with the outpouring that uh you know, this Toronto thing's been really fun to watch from afar. I forget, I didn't even realize that they hadn't won a title since 93. And they had the Blue Jays and the Canadians that same year. They've gotten their ass kicked in the Stanley Cup finals, I think, five or six times since. And he, 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 this is now 26 years. That's a, that's a long time. That's older than Kyle. Kyle, what year were you born? 93. Yeah. Kyle's now, now here. Long, Kyle's an a, adult male a with a girlfriend. <laughs> um, but it's been a long time and and the outpouring of that combined with how smart the front office and the organization is combined with the fact that this team really fits him well, kind of be weird if he left. I think it'd be super weird if he left. Again, I support his decision, whatever he wants to do. It's his life. He's earned the right to self-determine, you know, his, his sort of employment trajectory. But what a what an awesome opportunity in Toronto, and you know, re- repeating is hard. Like you know, making it to the NBA Finals is hard. The East is getting better, and especially who knows what happens this off season with with uh, KD. If KD comes east, you know, this this Brooklyn trade, this this Brooklyn Atlanta trade. Holy cow, things are happening in the East. Oh yeah, lo- hold um, that because we got to talk about that in a second. Yeah, well, let me ask you this. Is, but I'm just saying, like. For, for his assessment of like, how do I define myself? What, who do I want to be in, in, in my basketball legacy? I think it's right to stay. I mean, that's, that's the best um, way to, to, to make the point. I'm not and even sure. Absolutely... I, but I, I don't Go think ahead. he thinks about legacy. I just think he, I think he's a pretty simple guy with this stuff. Yeah, I think he'll assess it and he'll just go, I'd like to win the title again. I'm going to read, I'm going to do a one in one contract. And one and one is great. One so a, smart. That's one a great one, deal. I actually think that's how I went from thinking the Clippers were like a minus 600 favorite to sign him. I think now the most realistic one is he does a one and one. Nobody, nobody in the history of basketball has won the title and then left the team. It's never happened. That, that doesn't mean it can't happen, but it's never happened. And, and I can't even remember really? it happening in baseball or football. I'm sure it has, but I don't remember. For a guy at his level um, who uh, could sign a long-term thing, what is what size insurance policy does he have to get? Does he have to get a $300 million insurance policy? 
if you do one and one, you can't risk, and and you have, you know, you know that you have some leg trouble. Yeah, you you're right. Some kind of assurance. Yeah, you're right. Shit. Is yeah, it a he can't. Fifty million dollar policy, especially because he's playing on a semi compromised leg right now. Yeah, you're right. He can't do one and one. It's too risky. Well, no, he can. You can get a policy. Somebody will underwrite it. It just might cost him $10 million in premium for that policy. We can need an insurance expert to come on here and, and help us understand the math on it. But I honestly think like one and one makes the most sense in terms of his basketball self-determination. On the other hand, take off the table that downside case. Well, on the other hand, if, if he, if he won the title for them and he left, there's no bitterness at all. Right. The Raptors are so grateful. It would be like if you're a virgin and you're 18 and you meet somebody and they're like, I'm just going to have sex with you for three months and then it's going to end, but you're going to have sex for three months. I would have been like, cool. Can I, can, can you sign me up right now? I would take that now. Yeah. It's like, this is, I am the best looking person you're ever going to have sex with and it's going to be three months and then it's going to be over. You'd be like, well, what about a long-term deal? I'd be like, no, that's great. Sign me up. Three months. I, th- I think that's what the, Ra- the Raptor fans are so thirsty and happy and they needed this so badly. They'd probably it's throw great. him a parade as he left. Why not? Why not? What, what, all he's done is he's the quietest dagger. Like, I mean, seriously, think about historically. Who's a quieter? Him and Tim Duncan are the only two that I can think of. Kareem was kind of quiet. Not really that Kareem, emotive. It, a little bit. Off, off he was quiet on the court. Yeah, really no, I think Mo- Moses didn't speak, so he's way up there. But he's, he is he the was, quietest dagger. Moses, a, this is the Moses Malone Award. Wait, I, I have a I have a follow up thought on this, but I wanted to mention Big Little Live, our uh, our post game show for Big Little Lies, which is really good this season. I've seen the first three episodes. If you watch Big Little Lies on HBO, the show ends, and then go to Twitter at Ringer or hashtag Big Little Live. And you can watch Amanda Dobbins, one of the queens of the ringer, along with America's sweetheart, Mina Kimes from ESPN. They will be breaking down Big Little Live uh, right afterwards. So you just go to at ringer or hashtag Big Little Live. Oh, and speaking of things we care about here at the ringer, don't forget to check out the Rewatchables 1999 on Luminary. That is our spinoff series from the very popular rewatchables podcast. Uh, We're dissecting some of our favorite movies from 1999. Did Office Space last week. You can check it out. Check out Luminary's premium content for free when you sign up at luminary.link slash Simmons. After that, it's $7.99 per month. Luminary.link slash Simmons for two months of free access. Cancel anytime. Terms apply. And speaking of the rewatchables, Dead Poets Society is coming Tuesday night now, it looks like. So me, Chris Ryan, Mallory Rubin, and it's really good. All right. I want to talk about the Kawhi personality thing for a second. This happens rarely, but it's happened here where the entire team has taken on his personality. It is this quiet assassin team. There was this video of them leaving the court after game four. They'd just gone into Oakland and taken two road games. And you would have thought it would have been one of those people stalking off the court, yelling, chest bump. Yeah, fuck you, Oakland. None of that. They just walked off the court. And it reminded me a lot of the 04 Pistons. And that's been the analogy people have been using for two weeks here. That if here's the case for the Raptors, they're just better. The math says they're better. 
the personality they have. They have the great player. They they can get stops defensively, and they could do an 0-4 Pistons here. The 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 Warriors are banged up, a little like the 0-4 Lakers where they lost Carl Malone right before the series. And there's an 0-4 Pistons blueprint here, and that's what this feels like in a lot of ways. Where that 0-4 Pistons thing, as you know, because me, you, and Sal have been wagering during this whole time. I thought the Warriors were going to win this series. After game one, I flipped completely. And um, after game two, did the did the wraps in five for 17 to one odds. Because I was just like, I've, I don't think the Warriors have answers. Like they Like, if they hadn't gotten red hot for the first six minutes of the third quarter of game two, they would have lost that game. And I loved all the shots the Raptors were getting. I thought they had way more answers. I thought Kawhi was the best player in the series. And... If Durant's not going to come back, it actually makes a lot of sense to me that the Raptors would win this series in five. Does it make more sense to you now? I don't know. I I I, I do believe that Toronto is going to win this series. I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors win uh, Game Five, though, because you know this is this is the last gasp from a super proud. You know these guys uh, have in their DNA that that the NBA title. Is, is they're entitled to it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I think like we have it, Draymond and Iggy, you know, to, together can score like 30 points. The problem, you know, <laughs> Golden State has problems on both sides of the ball. They can't string together stops. They can't get enough scoring out of the front court. Uh, and Boogie, boy, oh boy, what a, what a, uh, the, the apparition that game two uh, uh, tricksterism. He just, he can't play. He just, he's not ready yet. Well, that was the so, thing. Game game two is a gimmick. They, they really use, they use Toronto's defensive strategy where Toronto's basically crowded in the perimeter and they used it against them in a really smart way with Boogie, a guy that people forgot can be a pretty good passer if you're just letting them stand up there and pick people off. But once Toronto figured out how to solve that, they didn't really have a plan, a plan B, you know? And then you think like, I think the biggest mistake Golden State made in this series was beating Curry into the ground in game three. And I said this after game three in the podcast with Brasillo. We were talking we were arguing about the rest thing. And I and I come and go on the rest thing and how important it is. I think we overrate some of it. I think we underrate some of it. I thought the the game three, the workload Curry had in that game on both ends, what they asked from him, how hard he played, how physical the Warriors were with him everything he did in that game was really debilitating. And it was, in my opinion, too risky because I didn't think they really had any chance in that game anyway without Clay and without KD. And to ask Curry to just go all in, like it was a game seven and you lose anyway, then you got to play 48 hours later. That's why he was dead. I'm not making excuses for the guy. I think he he looked really worn out to me. And I don't, I think I just would have thrown away game three and tried to put all my chips in the game four basket. What do you think of that? I agree with this. And the, the corollary to that is clay looked so good last night was so active, had so much bounce in his legs, six of 10 from three. Like he was, how hurt was he on Wednesday? You know what I mean? He like, tweeted, yeah. He could have played, but I think they were worried about making it worse. And what they didn't realize was they were going to make Curry worse for game four. And uh, I, it, it, the best part, if they had just thrown away game three completely, would have been how mad everyone got. Right. 
Oh my God, this load management. Now we're doing it in the finals. People would have lost their fucking mind. But um, I actually think that was a good strategy because the Wednesday, Friday combo is brutal. But then we go two days rest Monday. We go two days rest to Thursday and then two days rest to Sunday. So it's the only time you basically just had to game it so that game four, we're all in. We have to win game four. And uh, and they what we saw from Curry last night, he just looked dead to me the whole game. And it, they've really worn him out. The other thing they did, and I couldn't believe the announcers missed this. They the Toronto just played a crazy frenetic frantic pace first half. They went off. They they were just like we're we're playing like we're Loyola Marymount in 1990, and and uh and it wore down the Warriors and it worked. Toronto didn't even play well in the first half, but the pace they set. The Warriors couldn't keep up with it, and they died. I thought in the second half. Do you see that? It it crushed Steph. Like all the juice that he had was gone by by halftime, and it's the thing that that let uh, Toronto come out and win that third quarter, thirty seven to twenty one. I mean, it was a classic. It's not a surprise that Golden State and Toronto led the league in third third quarter differential um, this this season. Because we've we've seen it now in the, in this series, like the, the the team that wins the third quarter wins wins the game, and that's why it's three to one uh, Toronto right now. But Toronto has all the healthy bodies. Yeah, they, they have all that depth. Toronto, well, they're also they doing no Toronto's doing something that you and I love, and we've been advocating ever since we've had this. We've been doing podcasts together. He's he's playing seven and a half dudes. He's like I I got my seven. Exactly. And Norman Powell's going to play five minutes each half. And that's my team. All you guys are playing. You're playing big minutes. And here we go. And I, I think Nick Nurse has been spectacular. Really. I, I had no I totally idea he was this good of a coach. Like Even the stuff like playing with that crazy pace in the first half, I thought that was just brilliant. They, they clearly went into that game thinking we have to make... Because think about in the past. The one thing you didn't want to do with the Warriors was play like that, right? Because if you played like That's that, right. that led to chaos and that led to how dangerous they were because when there was chaos, that's when the Warriors thrived. When it was like, everybody's flying around. It's like, oh, I forgot. Oh, Clay's open. Shit. I fr-. And then he makes a three. And then there's there's whatever, a loose ball and all of a sudden Curry makes a 28-footer. And that's like exactly what you didn't want to do with them. And they kind of embraced it. I thought that was really, really smart. And I think the way the 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 way that the team has learned to play off Kawhi, where this is it's a version of of hero ball, but it's not because he's making the right decisions all the time. It's not like some sort of mid two thousands Kobe thing where it's like, give me the ball, get the fuck out of my way. Like they're they're playing off him. There's picks, there's people rolling off, he's making decisions, he's finding Danny Green, who they've just decided to leave open, which is and take and take their lumps. He was 0 for six. Remember in the first half, then he starts making them. Yeah. Um, they basically decided, fuck, like Kawhi's playing so well, like Lowry and Green and Gasol, like we kind of have to hope they miss. And that's when you're dead in the finals, I think. When when you're just praying that guys aren't going to make wide open 23 footers. Then flip side. Golden State's really having trouble getting good shots. And that's been the case all series. So, you know, the lesson is KD was the best player in the league four weeks ago and he's not there and they have not been able to adjust to it. <laughs> what a lesson. Yeah. You, you lose the best, you, you lose your best player and you, you, you can't, you know, 
beat the second best team in the league. But here's the thing. So now I'm looking back at this whole five-year thing and they took so much shit for signing KD and he took so much shit for going there. But actually, like, they, do they, do they win another title without him? Like, I they, mean, it's a lot more in doubt. I don't, they, they, like, let's they say they, let's say they gave Harrison Barnes Oklahoma City team in 2016, and they did lose to the Cavs. And let's say they bring Harrison Barnes back, and they just run it back with Harrison Barnes for a hundred million dollars because KD goes to the Celtics. So I think Plan B would have been all right. Let's bring back Harrison Barnes. Not convinced that team wins in 17 or 18. Do you think it wins? Me either. No, it's not not nearly this kind of a certainty that we've come into each of the last three seasons. No, no way. Because I think in 2015, which was just a really weird season, they probably won the title a year before they were ready. And if you look back, like that probably should have been the Clippers. I, I I think if you look back, the Clippers were probably the best team that year. Or you could have said the Cavs if they hadn't had all those injuries and the Warriors were right in the mix. It was one of those three. And the Warriors ended up winning it. Yeah. 2016 was their best year. They actually should have won the title that year. And then Draymond punches LeBron the balls. They were going to win that series in five and it flipped. But now, I think the league just got better in 2017, 18, and now 19. The league now is the most competitive it's been this whole decade with teams. And I don't know if you just could have run the 2015, 16 team back for the rest of the decade and expected to, to just keep winning titles. They actually needed Durant. And you saw, I went from thinking this was, they were in fuck you run, fuck you KD. They're just going to roll through. I, I did not believe in the Toronto team like this. And I really thought part of their success was that Philly was so screwed up and Milwaukee was, you know, Milwaukee just kind of wasn't ready, but now it's like, oh shit, we actually underrated Toronto. I mean, Toronto, Golden, what was what was the line for those first two Toronto games for the finals? Was Toronto underdogs? Yeah, they were underdogs in both. Well, guess what the line is for game five? Toronto by five and a half. Toronto by three and a half. People still believe in this Warriors team. Without KD, oh, I, I just said, yeah, we were we we. You can't count out Golden State, you know. Never underestimate the horn of a champion. I will say this: the the biggest winner of this entire series from the Golden State side is Looney, because that guy looked like he was in legitimate pain yesterday and gutted it out. And I'll tell you this, House, I'd rather have Looney than Kyrie next year on the Celtics. If you gave me like Looney's wow. door A and Kyrie's door B. Get Kyrie the fuck out of here. I'd rather have Looney. Seriously. Well, Kyrie, just you leave. You don't have to worry about that. Kyrie's already gone. Good. Please. Can, can make sure. Can you, Isn't he in New York now? Can you write the goodbye letter now so I can officially say goodbye to you, Kyrie? Don't come back. Nobody wants you. Don't worry. It's already been submitted. The Players Tribune has had that letter for three weeks. Good luck in Brooklyn. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. Good luck with another young team and high expectations. I'm sure it'll go great. Uh, look. Let's let's talk about Brooklyn though. They just cleared out some space for another max contract. I like Brooklyn's that trade. Kind of attractive. You know what's funny about we the NBA when, when Brooklyn's like, guess what they never should have done? Given Alan Crabb a giant contract offer. 
And then Portland <laughs> stupidly matches it. It was like, wow, we dodged a bullet. Oh no, we're still going to trade for Alan Crabb a year later. And then it's like, oh, now we need two first round picks to get rid of Alan Crabb. And then everybody's like, great job, Brooklyn, including me. But sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that's how it goes in the NBA. They have room for two max slots now. I, I've felt this way for three weeks and I feel this way right now. I think KD and Kemba go to the Knicks. And I think Kyrie goes to the Nets. And I think he goes there. You ready, House? Dramatic pause? Go ahead. Yeah. No inside info at all. The ringer's J.J. Redick. I think he joins him. Oh, that's pretty good. He's, 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 it's his it's backyard. I mean... Lives in Brooklyn. perfect sense for J.J. Lives in yeah. Brooklyn. Friends with Kyrie. Duke guys. Kyrie's been on his podcast. They had a great podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network before I was ready to drive Kyrie to the airport. And uh, how about this house? What about trading D'Angelo Russell to Phoenix? How do you feel about or, that? Could I, I get feel the, fine with it. Who, where do they get back? Could I get the sixth pick for him? Hmm. That seems fair. Seems fair, right? Yeah, it seems fair. It's better than, than anybody you're going to get six. Could I then take that six pick, put it with Karis LeVert and Jared Allen, and in a future pick in 2022 and something else, and try to get AD? Now, that's a package. That's a pa- I, that, that package rivals anything the Lakers can do. Because I started coming up with you know, my, my, my quiet resignation that the Lakers are going to get AD eventually. I don't think so. I actually think the Knicks have a better not. chance. I, I really think the Knicks are in the, the pole Knicks? position with this. Yeah, I really do. How, how can that be? The Knicks don't have anybody. They have KD and Kemba and then they trade everything else for AD. There's no everything else. There's nothing else. Number three that pick. Offer you just put together with the Nets is so much better. Number three pick and Kevin Knox and the Dallas picks. Those smells, Dallas picks. smells like a poop. Those da- <laughs> that Dallas pick is going to stink. Yeah, but what if Porzingis, what if he's just never that good and it's just like Luca and no draft picks and not a lot going on? Those picks, that's, those picks aren't as bad as people think. 38 win team. They're going to win 38 games that way. So if you could get so no, you end up with- number six, Jared okay. Allen and Karis LeVert for AD, you would do that? Yes, yes, yes. Would you rather have... Drew Holiday and Zion? Would you rather have number four, Brandon Ingram, whatever the hell is going on with them health-wise, Kuzma, and Josh Hart? And I don't Lonzo. Know. No, you have to have Lonzo. Otherwise, don't even talk to me. If you're Phoenix, would you rather trade the number six pick for Lonzo or for D'Angelo Russell in a sign-and-trade? Ooh, that's a good one. I like D'Angelo Russell. He did it. I did He's too. done it. He, you know, Lonzo's just potential, potential, potential. It's an awesome feeling. I really enjoy watching Lonzo. I think he is going to be an all-star, but I'll take the all-star. We have an all-star. I know who the all-star is. His name is D'Angelo Russell. Because here's the thing that nobody has mentioned with this Kyrie Brooklyn thing. Somebody has to be sacrificed. They already signed Dinwiddie. He's making like 10 a year. Kyrie will cost like 30. You can't also, but putting D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie together is one of the dumbest ideas of all time. They're not, Sean Marks is not going to do that. Sean Marks is too smart. So you flip D'Angelo Russell. 
Could they get, yeah. I wonder, could they get, uh, could they get six and something else for D'Angelo Russell? I would trade six for D'Angelo Russell right now if I'm Phoenix. Sign me up. It, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a great deal for them. Are you kidding? I wonder if they, they'd get a- D'Angelo Russell and Devin Booker? Throwing weirdo Josh Jackson in that. That doesn't sound like a win. Oh, you mean for for Phoenix to get rid of him? Yeah, well, just for Phoenix to throw him in the trade and then Brooklyn has one more thing to try to go get AD with. Brooklyn's definitely up to stuff. If we've learned anything over the years, it's that when a team is just aggressively clearing cap space, aggressively, something's up. I agree. They know there's some sort of move. Remember... When right before LeBron came back to Cleveland, they made that crazy trade that ended up getting the Celtics. It was like a three-way. It ended up getting the Celtics the pick that they ended up flipping for Isaiah Thomas. And it was all because they had to just dump some contracts. And people were like, wow, this is weird. Why are Cle- why is Cleveland dumping these contracts? And then it was like, oh, because they're getting LeBron James. So with Brooklyn, I don't think KD is the second piece, though. I think if he goes to New York, he goes to the Knicks. Going to Brooklyn and well, here, here, that's a that's a lame. I, I want to add I want to add some intrigue to this. Yeah. You know who, who just left Brooklyn and went to New Orleans as an, in an assistant GM role? Who? Oh, no, not, not assistant GM. Pardon me. How dare I? An outrage. The new GM of, of, the, of the Pelicans, Trajan Langdon, formerly of the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. We've cracked this so one. We're going we're gonna to... We're going to do some dealing. There could be some dealing. Do you think they have a good relationship, Trajan and Sean Marks? I think, if I had to guess now, I think Jimmy Butler goes back to Philly. I think Kyrie goes to Brooklyn. I think KD and Kemba go to the Knicks. I think Davis goes to either Brooklyn or the Knicks. I think he goes to New York. And I think the Lakers get cut out. And I'm not just saying that because I can't stand the Lakers. I really think there's a world in which the Lakers get cut out and they're looking at like Tobias Harris and, and, and wow. that kind of, that level of free agent. Nothing would make me happier. If they get cut out, I, I do think it's in play that LeBron might ask for uh, a trade or something or, or the I Chris Paul scenario that we've talked about. Cause that's the other thing that could happen if they, they could flip Chris Paul for, uh, for, Oh, I mean, just bring for, back the whole banana boat. Dwayne Wade can come out of retirement. Mello is available. Bring the whole boat back. Well, Dwayne Wade's going to be living in L.A. Really? Yeah, because his, his son and LeBron's son are going to uh, going to Sierra Canyon together. Awesome. That's and, th- and thank God not to, not uh, with Zoe Simmons in the ninth grade. Um, <laughs> I think it would have been too weird no if comment. my no if my daughter and LeBron's no. son became friends. That would have been really weird. I don't know how I would have been able to handle it on the podcast. Um, house. I think we, yeah. I think we hit it all. But you, oh, there's one last thing I wanted to hit. When does Trump get involved? In what? When does Trump get involved? When does Trump get involved in what? The does fact Canada that thing? yeah, the fact that Canada wins the NBA Finals, it feels like Trump is going to do some tweet. I just, I'm feeling it on Monday night. Now we've lost uh, the NBA championship to Canada. Sad exclamation point. Uh, no, nothing out of Trump. He he already knows the the uh, NBA is the third rail for him. He understands how <laughs> how unpopular 
<laughs> him and everything about his whole regime is to, mm. to anybody that likes the NBA. So we both, I actually think, all right, give me more realistic. Toronto wins by 20 or Golden State wins? I More realistic, I think Toronto wins by 20. That's how I feel too. I, I think this reminds me of game five, Pistons, Lakers in 04. That kind of the, feel. The, the like only, this is now a steam, the, this is now a, a train steamrolling down the tracks and there's no stopping it, in my opinion. I, I agree with this. I don't know what, what can change. What can Golden State do to, to change things? They don't have, they, you know, <laughs> they have to send Kevin Durant to Germany to get his cast fixed. That's the only op- option they have. Are you buying? When will we hear whether or not KD's playing? I mean, I think they were hoping he'd play in game four and, and Jalen alluded to this on countdown and I heard similar. They did like a sneaky test run with him on Thursday and it was terrible and he just can't. Okay. He just, just not, he's not, not ready to play. So, it's, so he's not playing. And so this is over. I think he's going to play in game five would be my prediction. I just don't think he's okay. going to be effective. So here, here you go house. He has Go ahead, talk to me. Toronto minus eleven is plus three ten. I'm on that. Love it. <laughs> Good one. That's one. Keep going. Let's just point out Golden State over and over again over the years has surprised us when their backs were not only pressed against the wall, but they they somebody had their hands around their throat. They've had a way of rising to the occasion. They're gonna have two days rest. We will have full Curry and Clay. We will have Draymond. We will have Andre Iguodala, future Hall of Famer, great big game player. We're going to have Looney on God knows what kind of pain medication. And, it, you know. Three points for Iggy last night, by the way. It's tight. He's old. He's our age. And potentially KD playing 20 minutes. Like, they, they're not going to go down fighting. But I, I do think it's more realistic Toronto blows them out than Golden State wins. And I don't really know what's going to happen. And I think anybody who says they know when KD is such an unknown variable as this is losing their mind. That's right. But we'll gamble on it. Yeah, we're going to gamble. We'll gamble on it. I have, I have some some real equity now in that Toronto 17-1 to winning five bet. This could be one of my it's, better it's bets. It's a good house. one. I'm, I, it's. I, I missed it. I, it was too late when I saw that, that uh, the comparing of notes on that one. I couldn't jump in. What are you going to do when when uh, the refs for game five are Dick Bavetta, Scott Foster, and Mark Zuckerberg? <laughs> That's great. Now that, that now we're talking. Now this, this is this is one way for sure. Let's see what that lineup is. When do they announce that? That's that's. I'm going to put this on my calendar. I want to know what time they announced the rest. <laughs> it's in the morning, five. the morning that day. Oh, it's going to be so good. Uh, let, let's, let's be sure to tweet that out and, and see if there's any conclusions to be drawn. The ref the, did not get to the free throw line last night, by the way. We didn't talk about the idiot uh, minority owner of the Warriors, Mark Stevens. <laughs> but let's not talk about him. What a moron. He was drunk. I, I think Why he... Why sit in the front? They, so many people got so outraged over this guy lightly shoving Kyle Lowry, which was obviously he's a huge douche and he should lose his seats, all that stuff. I had, I haven't heard the conversation of what made him do that. 
what chain of events led to I, him being, he seemed mad at Kyle Lowry. And I watched a clip from every angle and it seemed like he was mad that Kyle Lowry went barreling into the stands that violently. Like he was like, come on, man, Jesus, we're sitting here. Like he just, it was just a complete break from reality of what it's like to sit at a basketball yeah, game. Perfect. It was insane. Right. Perfect break from reality. Like, That's people what are, alcohol and drugs do. He was <laughs> under the influence of something. No, he's he probably, probably a couple of drinks. That brother was not sober. He just no. what a dumbass. No, I actually think it's really conceivable that he was sober and and he just is a dick and was like, oh man, well, you, can, you can't come in. You don't, we're sitting here. We played good money for these seats, man. You can't endanger no, us. He's a, he's a co-investor. If, if it's true, and he should have had to go take a P test afterwards, but if it's true that he was sober when that happened, then he needs to be required to, to, to relinquish his investment in the team. Yeah, but here's the thing. This I mean, is that, that, my, uh, my, ahead. My staff was, it's funny how my staff reacts to some of this stuff. They were, they were, um, they were just like banning this guy for life, all this stuff. Here's why that can never happen. They can't set a precedent that can then be used against other owners in similar situations. All these owners, all they're thinking about is how does it, no, listen, the 30 owners are like, how does this affect me? They're not thinking like, oh, I'm worried about the league. They're worried about like, I'm worried about me. And if we set a precedent that the fine is like $3 million or you lose your team forever, you immediately have to sell your rights, then where does that end? So I knew I knew it was going to be one of these things like one-year ban, 500K, whatever. What, what, what? what? There's no precedent. You can't be sitting courtside and, and intentionally put your hands on a player. I'm with you. That, 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 that violates so the, the precedent. There is no punishment that's too high. The other owners all, all have the, the basic self-control uh, to, to not, you know, deliberately try and touch a player who's entered, you know, the, the stand from the, from the Listen, field of play. He had to, he's banned for a year. He's a public pariah. And, and, uh, and, and he's probably going to have to sell his stake in the team. Like that seems like a pretty good punishment for, for what he did. I agree with that. If you go more than that, like that's, that's crazy. Why? Why is that crazy? Cause you can't you just can't like touch a guy. Yeah, but he, he just touched him. He, no, he didn't. He pushed him. It was intentional. How about touching. this? Do you, do you think he should have been, I'm very familiar with intentional touching. That was an intentional touch. Do you think he should have been given the electric chair? Like, should we have killed him? Could we have executed him? What about lethal injection? What about lethal injection? How far do we go? He got the second biggest punishment in the history of the league. He deserved it. This he, is the whole thing. They can't have the fans. This is the league that had the malice. We the agree. Malice, my brother. We agree. Yeah. This was not the malice in the palace. He lightly you touched a guy and any, gave him a sneer. You, you know why? Because Kyle Lowry was level-headed enough to not turn around and bust that dude. He right should have. I wish he had. Fuck that guy. <laughs> no, no, he, he should not have. <laughs> Kyle Lowry was was a perfect gentleman under the circumstances. He went directly. He appealed to a higher authority. He pointed out to the ref. He pointed out to the coaches. That was the correct move. That's how we live in a civilized. Uh, there's a, a an order of, of, of law. We live in a civilized society, Bill Simmons. There are rules. Well, there's way of 
remedying our grievances without busting people in the chops. Maybe Kyle Lowry will think the next time he goes flying in the stands for a loose ball. I mean, maybe he learned a lesson too. (laughs) (laughs) The whole thing was so stupid. The guy, the guy is a public pariah. However, this played out was the worst possible scenario for him. Whatever we find him and whether he has to relinquish his stake or not, he is now the guy who got involved with Kyle Lowry. And that is the worst possible punishment. He's scarlet letter now. You can't do worse than this for him. You could make him, you could find him know. more money. The guy's a multi-billionaire. You could make him, you could yeah. ban him from NBA games for a year. You think he's going to be back two years from now sitting courtside? We're never seeing this guy again. He's never coming back, ever. So what? I think he's got a lot of other things he can do with his life and, 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 and figure out how to be happy. He needs to go to douche rehab. <laughs> well, I, what's the over-under on where we get, you know, some kind of, small story. It'll probably only be out in the West coast in in San Francisco, you know, dumbass douchey owner, uh, you know, enters rehab facility. He needs to go to a personality rehab. (laughs) He's antisocial. I agree with this. It was antisocial behavior. I've, it was antisocial. It was bizarre. He was genuinely mad at Kyle Lowry for chasing a loose ball and into the first row. It's like, I, I don't even understand the mindset. I, my guess is these guys feel like they're on the team. They own a piece of the team. They get so into it during the games. Lowry was an agitator provocateur of this whole series. So he probably like was mad at Lowry anyway. And then Lowry comes flying in, almost cleans out his date. And he's just like, come on, man, Jesus. <laughs> Jumped him. It was fucking crazy behavior. Maybe you're right. Maybe he should have been fine more. Can we increase his fine? Uh, good rinse, good rinse to that guy, Mark Stevens, pariah. Uh, all right, House Fairway Rolling. Want to promote that really quickly? Yeah, I do. It's the, our nation's championship is a week away, Bill Simmons. Yeah, the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, the Love iconic, it. legendary, perhaps the greatest public golf course in the world. St. Andrews is right there with it, obviously, the greatest public golf course in America. We have three shows coming up. We have a Monday preview. We're going to set the table, talk about storylines. I think there are only like 10 to 12 guys with a legit chance of winning this. We'll go through that. Wednesday's show, a lot of angles. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, how we might allocate a little capital, how you want to put in your fantasy lineups, your DFS lineups. And then we'll have a recap late Sunday night here on the East Coast. This is one of my, my favorite things, by the way, Bill. It's Father's Day on the Sunday completion of the U.S. Open, and I get to watch it in prime time. The East Coast gets to enjoy that final round, and it's a prime time thing because we have that West Coast timing. It's one of my just, – just glorious when the USGA comes up with this. We'll have a recap right afterwards on Fairway. <laughs> I get to watch the final yeah, round of the U.S. Open with my dad on Father's Day. I'm very excited. He's going to be in town. Yes. So there Perfect. you go. That's the way it's supposed to be. All right, House. Um, try not to shove anybody who comes barreling into your row at any of any events you go to these next. Are you still celebrating your birthday? There was another birthday party yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I'm, How many I'm birthdays are you right celebrating? I had, an, I had another birthday dinner last night for a bunch of my DC homies. We went to this terrific Italian seafood restaurant called Fiola Mare. Uh, a lot of heavy hitters. Adam Rappaport was in town. 
Jim Bankoff and Max, all the heavy hitters came out. We uh, had a, I played golf with Tony Kornheiser yesterday, by the way. That's incredible. You've spent more time yeah, with Tony I mean, this just, year than I have. Well, you got to come out here and do PTI. They're dying for it. No, they're really not dying for it. They're like, can you come in late July, early August when there's no sports? Want to fly back and spend three days in, in 105 degree DC? Any interest? I don't know. It's not that bad. Not that it's enticing. Nice quiet time here in DC. I have my new show. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm. Uh, I'm hosting a new game show with Mark Stevens called Douche or Not a Douche. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Mark Stevens is gonna like weigh in. Of, <laughs> he's like a, it's a spinoff. Is this, this a Magic Johnson tweet? He's the world's biggest douche. He's gonna then weigh in on other behavior of other douchebags and decide how douchey that behavior was. Douche or not a douche? Coming on the uh, Ringer Network soon. Um, I'm looking forward to it. House, a pleasure as always. Thanks for coming on on a Saturday. Talk to you soon. All right, we're going to bring in the champ, Andy Ruiz Jr. We taped this a couple of days ago. I've been dying to run this. He was awesome. He beat Anthony Joshua last weekend and uh, was kind enough to come in and hang out with us here at the Ringer. Before we get to that, though, wanted to mention Ringer Dish, our new celebrity culture podcast, launched this week to rave reviews. Tea Time was on there, Jam Session, Relationship Deep Dives, four realsies with my daughter and Liz Man. Kelly. We did four last week and we're going to keep it going. Subscribe to that. You could also subscribe to the Press Box. The old Channel 33 feed has been converted into the Press Box. David Shoemaker, Brian Curtis, the podcast that no other than Nephew Kyle has said, it just makes me smarter. I did say that. Just raises my IQ every time I listen to it. It's really good. So subscribe to those. Hey, speaking of things, we love ZipRecruiter. Finding a new job. It's a lot of work. Before Nephew Kyle, we made a move to LA. He was a PA on my HBO show. The show got canceled. I was like, I still like this kid. There's, I see something in his eye. There's a hunger. We teach him how to, how to uh, do podcasts. And now he's the world's best podcast yeah, engineer. And it took a fucking while. It did. Yeah. Now he's really good at it. It's work. Well, what if you had a personal recruiter to help you find a better job? ZipRecruiter's technology can do that for you. Download the ZipRecruiter job search app. Let it know what kind of jobs you're interested in. It's technology starts doing the work. The ZipRecruiter app finds jobs you like. Put your profile in front of employers who may be looking for somebody like you. If an employer likes your profile, ZipRecruiter lets you know. So if you're interested in the job, you can apply. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated job search app. My listeners should download the free ZipRecruiter job search app today. Let the power of technology work for you. Don't wait. The sooner you download the free ZipRecruiter job search app, the sooner it can help you find a better job. All right, let's bring him in. Andy Ruiz Jr. Here we go. All right, we are taping this Wednesday around lunchtime. The champ is here. Andy Ruiz Jr. Unbelievable. I watched it. Couldn't yeah, believe it. Thank you, man. Appreciate um, that. I wish... I wish I had known that you you had the hand speed like that against Joshua because the odds were unbelievable for you. Unbelievable. You were like 11, 12 to one underdog. Everybody that betted on me, they're making a fortune right now. Who did you? Have you talked to anybody who actually bet on you? Actually, my whole family betted on me. Stop. I wanted a bet, but I kind of didn't want to jinx the the stuff, you know? Of course, I had confidence that I was going to win, but I didn't want to put some money in and do all that. But my parents won like $10,000. Shut up. Each, Seriously? Each one. My little brother won like $7,000. So they were convinced you were going to win? Uh-huh. 
That's what that's the old Floyd Mayweather trick, I think. Yeah. He used to go to the casinos and put huge bets on himself before fights. I was like, that's one of my models too. Bet on yourself. Maybe I should have done that too. Huh? <laughs> well, you wanted this fight. That was one of my favorite things about it. When mm -hmm. who was the guy who fell out because he failed a Gerald Miller? Time? Yeah, so he falls out. And you're like pushing for the fight. Talk about the stuff you did. So after my fight of Alexander Dimitrenko on April 20th. Yeah. Um, Which was not that long ago. It was not that long ago. It was on April 20th. Um, luckily, I won. Um, dur during that that camp, there's a lot of interviews that I was doing. And I was like, man, I would love to fight AJ. If they find a replacement, may make sure that, that I, I would be the, the first person to say yes. And... What do you know? I end up winning Alexander Dimitrenko. Um, it wasn't wasn't hard. It wasn't easy, but we got him out there. We we got him out and in the fifth round. So um, there is more hype of the Anthony Joshua fight, and they're like, "Man, um, Andy, uh, if they call you right now, would you take it?" I was like, "Hell yeah, man! I just got done fighting like a few minutes ago, but <laughs> but um, I'll go back straight to the gym, and if they give me the opportunity." So two days later. Two days later, I'm at home with, with my wife and my kids, and I, I just messaged, hey, what the heck, I'm going to message Eddie Hearns. Hey, Eddie, um, give me the opportunity, man. Um, I could I could, uh, I could, could do better than all the other guys that you have lined up um, for AJ. Let me do it, man. I have these Mexican people yeah. behind me, and what do you know? He, he wanted to meet up. He wanted to talk, and that's how it all started. I'm not sure you're aware of this, but Mexicans like boxing. This of is course. kind of a big deal. It is a big this deal. This is the first Mexican American heavyweight champ ever. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to think what's the what's the pantheon of Mexican boxers, Mexican American boxers? Like who are the icons? Like when you were growing up and you you were boxing since you were seven, who were the guys for you? Um, I like Fernando Vargas a lot. You know, Fernando Vargas. He was a a U.S. and, and yeah, I liked him. Chavez. Um, Chavez was ridiculous. Yeah. He fought for like what was it like 25 years. Chavez, um, Eric Morales, Barrera, all the Mexican fighters that my dad would would make me watch when I was a young kid, you know, and we would have all the family gather up yeah. at, at our house to watch the fight. So I was just this little kid, chubby little kid, thinking like, man, I want to be in that big stage. I, I want to become a champion. And what do you know? I'm the first Mexican heavyweight champion of the world. You were you were fighting since what six seven? Since I was six years old, I I went to a gym when I was six years old, and I first, and I started fighting when I was seven years old. And you were good right away. No, the the first when I was six years old, the the first few weeks that I was in there, I, I was get beat up. <laughs> I was get beat up. I would tell my dad, you know what, dad, I don't want to do this no more. And yeah, he was like, no, don't be scared. You could do it. Just um keep training, keep training, and. What do you know? I trained a whole year. I was I turned seven years old. I had my first amateur fight in in San Diego, California. Um, so I was always this big um, husky kid, right? And at being at, at seven, um, there wasn't no kids at seven year old that that were that weighed as much as me. So right. I, I always had to fight older guys. So I think that that's what gave me the. I wasn't scared, you know. I was never scared of anybody besides. We've quick hands. Quick hands go a long way with boxing. Yeah, I think that. I mean, that fight was that third round is an all-time round. I love when both guys go down in the same round. Wow. But I think <laughs> I'm sure you probably don't like it as much. No, well, it was my first time um, testing the canvas. So. Oh, that was the first time ever. It was the first time ever that I've been dropped. That I've been hurt. Um, but I thought I took it well. You know, I I I got dropped. 
I took some 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 breath air and uh, and what do you know? Well, I, wait, let's go backwards because I want to get to this. So you take this fight, you have a month and six weeks, five weeks. I have a month and a week. How long does it take to recover from the last fight physically? At least a week, right? Or do you go right back in your training? You know what? I was more sore and more tired for when I fought Alexander Dimitrenko than the Anthony Joshua. <laughs> but um, that felt like a dig. Yeah. <laughs> but but I was I was of course I was tired and all that. But luckily I wasn't hurt. You know, if the fight would have been like a ten rounder, yeah, because that's what it was. It was a ten rounder fight. But I got him out of there at, in fifth round. So. Uh, I thought it was perfect. You know, it was a perfect moment, perfect opportunity. I just got done fighting, and I'm fighting again. So we jumped from one camp to another camp, and I thought it was I thought it was perfect. I felt ready. I was and the thing to- with you is it, you, you get getting compared to Rocky Balboa, and there's a couple similarities, obviously, where you get called in last minute, they need an opponent for the champ, all that stuff. But the thing is, like, you were talented, like top rank. Top rank targeted you, and you were there for a while. Like you weren't somebody that was just this journeyman dude. Like you were, you were considered to be a talented guy. Yeah, of course. You know, I've been doing this almost all my life since I was six years old, or I could say seven years old since I had my first fight at seven. And you know, top ranks, they they always um, they took care of me. You know, they they did what they had to do. But ever since I left top rank, so many blessings have been coming my way, and. It's just, um, I'm pretty sure top rank right now, they're pretty mad. Oh, they got to be going. Because if, oh if, if I was with them, they would have had the first Mexican heavyweight champion of the yeah. world. But, you know, things happen for a reason, and I'm, and I'm happy that I'm I'm here with PBC and with Al Heyman. Because it's funny now, it's swung around where people are like, no, that dude, of course we knew this. Like, come on. The odds said yeah. that nobody believed in it. But I do think, like, you know, it seemed like the diehard boxing people where at least, like, this is going to be, this isn't, like, a rollover match. This exactly. isn't, like, a last-minute person. Actually, the people that really know about boxing and they know the ability that I have and they've seen me fight with with other um, heavyweights, you know, yeah. good heavyweights, they know the ability that I have. And I think those are the people that were kind of scared, like, oh, my God, he's going to fight Anthony Joshua, like Jesse Vargas, um, Canelo, Oscar de la Hoya. They, they all told Eddie Hearns, you know what, this is going to be an, an exciting fight. I don't think you should pick this Mexican guy. He's going to go in there to 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 kill, you know? So, but that, that's the that's the main thing, you know? Um, what a great opportunity for you. Would you get paid for the fight? Do you remember? I do, but I don't know. Oh, wanna, you don't talk about it? Yeah, I don't. You're getting paid more for the next one. Yeah, of course. Do you have, there's a rematch clause, but you're in control of what happens with it. I'm in control of what happens. Yeah. Good. They, they they wanted to take it over there, but I want to keep it here in the United States. Or, yes. Or take it to Mexico um, where all my people will be there. I don't and, know if, I, despite being in Mexico, that would actually be, that might be too crazy. Yeah. I, I don't, I can't even imagine. I went to, I saw, I was at Azteca once for a soccer game in 2009 between the Mexican national team and the American team. And that was the craziest crowd I've ever been. Well, and I've been to a lot. Throwing, oh my God. Beer. People throwing, people throwing piss at the guys oh taking corner gosh. kicks, but like, <laughs> but they, they were so into it. And I've just never, I wrote a whole piece about it for ESPN. I had never been in a crowd like that. They're you crazy. defending the heavyweight title in Mexico. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Imagine being the other guy walking into that, Joshua. Well, uh, that's how I kind of felt when I was over there. You know, there's a lot of Brits over there. Everybody was booing me. Everybody. And then it flipped. Yep, it flipped. And um, people were rooting for you. Exactly. So I thought it was like crazy. Rocky Four when uh, 
the Russian crowd starts cheering for Rocky midway through <laughs> through the fight. When he fights over there in Russia. <laughs> and the announcers are like, now they're cheering Balboa. It's like, eh, probably not. But yeah. it actually, this was yeah, kind of so the real some, version Some of this. were cheering, but somebody, a lot of them were shocked. They were quiet. They were like, whoa, what the heck just happened? So you, so you show up for the fight. The weigh-in, are you starting to feel? Are you seeing anything in his eyes? Like the the weigh-in, I was confident. You know, I was confident the whole the whole time I was over there in New York. Um, are you sizing him up? Like, are you looking course. for a little? So, yeah, what are you we, seeing? We we size him up. We see how tall he is. Um, see where my jab could, because I was hitting him a lot in the body. See where my jabs could go through. But so when you're uh, so you the guy's in a suit, and you're looking at him, and you're going. All right, so he's this big. If I do this, I'd have to reach this way a little. Exactly, you're, you're sizing yeah, all that exactly. up just looking. At all those little things starts coming. You in didn't your size head. me up that way, did you? No. All right, good. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the way in, you see anything in his eye, like a like a little bit of fear, or like he's looking past you. He's not even worried. What'd you see? That's what I was thinking. You know, I think that he was underestimating me just yeah. because I was short, chubby, and maybe because I weighed a little bit more from my last fight. Cause that, that was a, the plan, um, not to lose too much weight so I could be even stronger. You know, you added fighting, five pounds, right? I added five pounds. Exactly. And, um, but yeah, that, that was, I think that was a perfect advantage to, so then the, you walk out, He's out there. You're in the ring. We're, we're just staring at each other. What are you seeing there? Um, I'm just staring at his eyes. He's staring at my eyes. And I'm just like, fuck, this is this is my time. This is my opportunity. This guy's this, in my way. This guy's in my way. And I, I don't want to leave it to the judges because when I fought Joseph Parker, um, I left it to the judges. And um, because of the training camp that I had for that fight, a lot of people don't know. I trained myself for that fight. When I was over there with Abel Sanchez, he had too many fighters going on. So I kind of had to train myself for the most important fight of my life against That Joseph really does Parker. sound like Rocky. Yep. And, um, you know, I got the lost over there. But, you know, things happen for a reason. And not just to win one bout, but to win four bouts, it's just a blessing. I watched that fight on Sunday. I missed the Parker fight. I didn't watch it. I don't remember, I don't remember what the time of it was, but for some reason I didn't see it. It seemed like you took a couple rounds off in the middle, and that's why you lost it. I still felt like you won, mm -hmm. but it became one of those things like that happens in boxing where once it gets to the cards, yeah. you just have no idea. That's because of the training, too. You know, I needed the, the trainer that I have right now, Manny Robles. He's always on me. He's always looking for me. Hey, where you at? Come back right. to the gym, this and that. And I think those are the kind of trainers you really need, you know, somebody that's going to be pushing you to the limit and making you be great. So the first two rounds— what do you what are you seeing? What are you feeling? And um the Anthony Joshua yeah. fight. I was I was kind of sizing him up. I was um doing what my my coach was telling me. I worked the body, I worked the head. Um, and you're feeling good, you're moving yeah, around, I, you're I bouncy. Was, I was feeling good, I was feeling light, um, throwing some combinations and um until we hit to the, to the third round, you know. Did you you didn't catch him at all in the first two rounds, though, right? It was, seemed like a feeling out. Yeah, um, yeah, it was like a feeling out. So third round, it's on. Third he, round, he tags you early. The the third round, he tagged me early. He got me with the upper hook. Um, I fell to the canvas. I took a, f a few. Um, like a few seconds, you know, just to recover really fast because usually a lot of people that get knocked down by the first time, they would, they get up right away and they, they're like all dizzy. So, yeah. So I kind of did a, a mature thing and I kind of, 
I kind of waited until he counted to six, seven, so I could get some air. And I got up, and I knew he was going to try to finish me off. And but you'd never been down before, so had you even been down, down like in in and spine, practice? Nothing. Nope. No, nothing. Not even street fights, and I've been in a lot of street fights. Right. And, um, <laughs> not in, and nothing. It was it was a, it was because that's your famous for your jaw. Uh huh. Clean shot until I put my pants up and I said, you know what? I got to return the favor, and I did it not just one but two times in in the third round. I mean, it was insane because it it seemed like he was just watching it, knowing nothing watching it live, it seemed like he was like two more punches away from you going down again. Mm -hmm. And then you snuck in this sneaky one on the top of his head, his which temple. I didn't even see it live. And then like two punches later, he was kind of stumbling. It's like, wait a second, what's going on? And all of a sudden he was down. So, but it's funny. I saw, I saw Max Kellerman on first take, who's really great with boxing. And he was saying how the guys who learn how to box later versus somebody like you that's been boxing your whole life. The hand speed is different, but then also the ability to know in a situation like that, all your reps come in and you know what to do. You're, you're calm. You're in the mm -hmm. moment and you flip it on him. And all of a sudden his head's spinning because he's not a, nearly as experienced as you. He's like, wait, I was just knocking this guy out. And now I'm on the canvas. And in, from that point on, it seemed like he lost his confidence. Yeah, I think that's what happens, you know. But, you know what, thanks to God, everything happened the way it happened. Um I got him with that clean left hook in his temple. I think ever since, I didn't think he recovered from that from I don't that think shot. he did either. Yeah. He didn't recover. I feel I could have got him out of there sooner, but I think I was just taking my time, um, just trying to be cautious and not to be I was smart. Actually, I was really impressed by that watching in the moment because so many times when this happened, the guy then, he's just, but you were actually like kind of taking your time, waiting, waiting, and then taking like with 10 shot. seconds left, you got him again. Mm-hmm. And if, if the if that round went thirty more seconds, it's over. Yeah. But at that point, it seemed like you had the thing. Fourth round, you can't finish him. It seems like he was getting his legs back a little bit, but something was off. Dude. I think that I think that from then I had a since since I didn't get him down, he was getting his legs back, he was getting his air back. I had to continue to pressure him, continue to follow him, let him throw. Um, while I'm catching his shot as as well, you know, yeah. and and work the body, some some of the stiff jabs that I throw to the body, um, if it's really effective, you know, and yeah, I, I think he felt those as well. And the thing that uh, Chris Mannix did a good job with this, he doesn't really have the jab yet to keep somebody like you off, because once you once you had your distance and you kept coming coming and he couldn't just like keep you at bay because he doesn't mm -hmm. really have that jab yet. I think once you just you, stayed inside him. When you fight somebody with speed, it's kind of hard to throw something because you keep thinking like, oh my God, if I throw this, he's gonna he's gonna come back with like three, four other punches. Yeah. So I think he was I think he was thinking a little bit too much. I think I was thinking a little bit too much as well, but um, you know, I stay composed and um I stood I stood my ground and I, I got him with a, a lot of good shots. And then seventh round. Seventh round. I didn't think he wanted to continue. I think the the referee was was kind of baby him a little bit, you know, because when, once he he got once he's on the floor and they're still counting, counting. Um, he he still had to be counting because he was like going over here. Um, he, he didn't even know what he was doing. I knew it was over because he spat his mouthpiece out before he got up, mm -hmm. and he did it intentionally. It wasn't like it fell out of his mouth. He actually spat it out, and I think the ref missed it. 
But when he did that, I was like, I was watching with my wife and my son who was going nuts. Mm -hmm. And I was like, he's done. He just spat his mind. When you do that, you're, you, you, yeah. you've given up. And then he just seemed like he was in his corner. Like he kept looking to his dudes like, what the fuck? You gonna, you gonna stop this? <laughs> hey, I, I'm not going, I, I'm not going back out there. Right. And wasn't listening to the ref. And that was it. You must have sensed. You must have known. I think I already had my head yeah, like yeah, this yeah. when when he was already going to stop it. And at first I was like, man, what the hell? What is he doing? But after he was looking at his team and I was just like, yeah, man, I fucking got it. I got it, man. I got it. How many how many times did you practice that moment over the course of your life? You winning the heavyweight championship. Man, I had I've been through a, a big roller coaster, dude, for my whole professional career. A big roller coaster. And now that um I'm here visualizing everything that I wanted and now everything becoming true. Is you just, just like blessing. black out? Do you even like remember what's going on? Um, at times, you it's, know. You just be like, no, that, that 10 seconds after you realize you're going to win, it must just like go black. It did. It I went, can't even imagine how you'd remember it. I don't know. I was just screaming. That's all I could. That's all I could remember. I was screaming, jumping. Um, it, it was just an, uh, an amazing feeling. So what ha So you do the interview. You go in the back. How many people you have at this point? I have all my family in the back in the room with See, me. See, like 20 people in there? Yeah, you could say 20 people um, doing all the drug tests, all the them taking blood out of me. Because um, there's a lot of drug testing in, in this fight, you know, especially from what happened to Miller. Yeah. They were testing me constantly and showing up to my house um, without me even giving them their address. They, they didn't know exactly where you're at. Right. Um. So then what happens? But, but from then, I, I was just, I was still shocked, man. I was just still shocked. Everybody, Party? Everybody's telling me, congratulations, this and that. And I'm just like, whoa, like, what the fuck just, just happened? Did I just win? And I have all the belts <laughs> right there. Yeah, you get three belts. Four belts. You got four? I thought four. it was three. It's the WBO, IBO, WBA, and the and the IBF. So it's four, four Those titles. last two, like WBA has been around forever. Yeah. That was when I was growing up, it was WBA, WBC. Mm -hmm. And then they added IBF in the 80s. So I just need one one more bout. And, and um, Wilder has it, the WBC. And I'll be um, the undisputed heavyweight to have all the bouts. Well, that's another guy who started fighting late. Mm-hmm. Right, and 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 I know the guy. He's I have a lot of respect for him as well. Um, yeah. Wilder, a really good guy. Um, he'll talk some shit. Yeah, he'll talk some shit. I, he he was actually supporting me for this fight. He was telling me that Andrew Ruiz, he, he's not somebody just to look over. You know. Yeah. Um, he got skills. He got the movement. So, but I always I always give him respect. I always give respect to the, all the fighters. Respect. You know, going in the in the ring where we're risking our lives. Yeah. So what happened that night? That where's, night the, where's the party? How many I, I people are there? Tell you the truth, I didn't. I didn't. I don't really party until I get back home. But I was just still shocked. I was just still shocked. I was in my in my room after we did the drug test and everything. I went straight to my room. We went to eat. I went straight to my room. I didn't go to sleep till like ten in the in the morning in New oh York God. time. I was just like, man, what the fuck did just happen? I'm I'm just crying. I'm so happy and. When did you when did you know that like on social media and stuff you had already become a cult hero? You had cuz you're chubby. People were like, "Oh my god, how is this guy the heavyweight champion?" And then they saw the clips and you're just kicking ass. And you were like relatable. 
That's like, did you feel that? Um, I did, but you know, all the hard work and dedication, it's all paying off. No matter how I look, if I'm chubby, if I'm fat, I think the TV makes me look a little bit more more big than I am in person. You know, but I was gonna say um, you, you, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, <clears throat> but uh, you know, for all the for all the kids, I think that they can't do nothing just because of the way that they look. They, all they have to do is just stay dedicated and, of course, pray to God and all that for your wishes and all that, but work hard. Work hard on your craft. So what's the ideal weight for you, do you think, going forward, like where you were this last fight? I think, no, I want to be at uh, 245. So the the loose the loose skin that I have, I want to make it into muscle. So now that I have good enough time to get ready for the rematch, I, I want to look... I want to look impressive, like, whoa, this guy, he's really taking it serious. This guy's going to look like a like a Hulk, you know? Now, you think the, you could do that? Because I, I feel like the weight <clears throat> helped you in this fight a little bit too, right? Because yeah, it has a little power to you. It, it helped extra. me, but um, I'll be more explosive. I'll be more faster. Yeah. Um, the hit, at, the punch, I'm always, I'm always going to have, you know? I've been having it since I was a little kid, knocking um, guys out since I was a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just well, it's interesting because this happens in basketball too, where even if somebody looks like they have a little extra weight on them, if you have fast feet, and in your case, you also have fast hands, but I, you don't, you carry the weight, whatever the weight is. I, so. I carry the weight actually really good. I, yeah, I, I, I know how to work with. Like the, you're not slow. No, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I, it's. <laughs> In boxing, yeah. all you need is fast feet and fast hands and, and the ability the to take a punch reaction. and throw a punch. And that's exactly. it. Um, so you, if you get down to 245, what happens? So what do you have to I'm do? Change your a, diet? Yeah, change the diet. Like, that, that was the plan. You know, like when, yoga? Some hot yoga? Oh, you know what I heard? <laughs> I heard that. That's really good, too. But um, ever since I fought Alexander Dimitrenko on April 20th, that, that was the plan to get back in the gym. Um, to keep working, but we got the Anthony Joshua fight, and yeah. we're like, damn, we, we don't want to lose too much weight, um, right? Because the guy's fucking big. So when do really you big. when do you think that fight is going to be? October, November, range? Um, December. I'm thinking. And December. you can't fight anybody before that. I can't. That's a bummer. It is a bummer. You but could have like the one tune-up fight. I think tune-up fights are useful sometimes. Yeah, of course. I think the Alexander Dimitrenko on April 20th, I think that was a good tune-up fight. And then I went back to June 1st against the, for the world championship. I think everything fell fell in a in the right place. And Anthony Joshua hasn't fought um, like nine months before me. Which is dangerous. Mm -hmm. I like three, four times a year if you're the yeah. champ. So tell me what your dad said. My dad was just really happy. He was, was he crying? He was crying, and he. My dad never drinks, right? He never yeah. ever drinks since since I grew up with um with him. He's never drank ever, and he said, "Son, if you win, I'm gonna drink. I'm gonna I'm gonna drink, and um and celebrate with you." And I was like, "What? All right." And um, <laughs> but he he was so he's buzzed immediately. Yeah. And like two sips of a beer. No, actually, he he's he still um he still owes me those shots though. Oh, he hasn't drank. Oh, he yet. still won't do it. Not, you didn't not, even have not, like one that night because nobody did. I didn't either. Yeah. So um, we're waiting until we get back home. There's gonna be a big parade for me, because um, where I live at, it's in Imperial Valley, a small town where everybody knows everybody. So everybody's really, really happy. And so you got to go to Imperial Valley first. And mm -hmm. how close is that to Mexico? It's like what twelve it's miles? Like, um, yeah, like ten minutes. Go to Mexico, 
parade in Mexico too? Maybe, but where I live at in California, that's where they're going to be the parade at in Imperial Valley. So there's going to be a few people there. There's going to be a lot of people there. <laughs> What's the plan? Um, just to show kids that everything's possible, you know, just where you come from, um, how you look, you know, everything is everything is possible as long as you have your mind straight and pray to God. This is incredible. I love when this happens. Bo boxing out of all the sports. Because boxing. It's really the MMA, I guess it could happen too. But in boxing, especially the heavyweight title, it just is a different kind of impact, yeah. I feel like. It, Plus, takes, like. it takes one shot to change the fight. And yeah. that's exactly what we did. Plus, the other thing is the division's really fun right now. It you is. know, we had like this 12 year, I've loved boxing my whole life. We've had this 12 year stretch where. You know, I call it like the Klitschko era. But even before that with uh, Johnny Ruiz and people like that, it just wasn't that fun to be a fan of heavyweight boxers. And now we have we have you, we have Joshua, we have Wilder, we have Fury. Um, I'm sure there's a couple other guys coming up. Mm -hmm. um, it feels like we're back. Is there anybody uh, else you like? Any any unproven or not unproven, but unknown uh, people out there? Um, I don't know. I think uh, Tyson Fury, he's, I love his act. I love... His personality. Yeah, he's I love good. how he talks shit, but um plus he believes in God as well, like me. So um uh he All those I think things he, are tall. Yeah, they're really tall. But when they fight a shorter guy that's explosive is dangerous for the taller fighters because they have to they have to um yeah. fight low, you know. So I think that's what gives me the the bigger advantage. Yeah, that was Frazier against Ali. He was always like coming up mm -hmm. from these weird angles, and it was like the one guy Ali could never totally saw. I guess he had trouble with Norton too. Just Working, you yeah, know, as you know, Norton. styles make fights. Mm -hmm. So have you have you fought anybody who's basically like looking in a mirror? Have you had that fight yet? Like just a strong guy who's your size throwing hands. I haven't. You I haven't had that, that fight yet. It doesn't. Seem I right. haven't. I haven't. Um, I don't think there's guys like me, right? Um, the, Big chubby Mexican guy, um, that that are in the rankings like that. I yeah, I don't think there are either. No, maybe I, there's somebody coming. Maybe yeah. you're gonna inspire people. Maybe, huh? That, that's what I'm trying to do, inspire I mean, people. I mean, think about it. Like Cinco de Mayo is always the biggest fight of the year, right? And why is that? It's because they know Mexicans. get everybody together for the biggest weekend, mm -hmm. and that's when it's gonna. So if you can get through the second Joshua fight, which my money's gonna be on you. Um, you. And you got you set up that Cinco de Mayo fight that could be that in could Mexico, be in Mexico or here in the United States. You know, there's there's Mexicans everywhere. You know, but um, there there's never been a Mexican heavyweight bout, a championship Mexican heavyweight bout in Mexico. So that would be a a historic fight as well, just by me um, winning the belts. You think Canelo's happy about this, or does he feel a little threatened? I don't know. That's, he's, that's, he's that's kind of, this I was, was his corner. Exactly. So that's that's what I kind of been thinking about too. But <laughs> He's like, fuck this guy. Uh, but he he inspired me, you know? Yeah. He inspired me. He he motivates me. So I want to be like the Mexican heavyweight um, Canelo, you know? Yeah. And in, in his era and the blessings that he has as well. I'm really impressed by him because I thought me a few too. years ago, I went to the Mayweather fight and it just felt like he was outclassed in a lot of ways. He just... There were, he took the fight. He was too young when I he took the fight. I feel he wasn't ready. Yeah, yeah he wasn't ready. He, but he should have taken it because it was so much money. It vaulted him to another level, all that stuff. Of course. 
But the way he's progressed over the last four years and like the combinations he throws now, yeah, and I just feel amazing. like he's gone to another level. Mm -hmm. I don't know what what size do you think he ends up at? I don't know. I think he could he could do a lot of different sizes right now. Um, he's big. He's strong. I think I was there at the him and um, Daniel Jacobs fight. Yeah, I think it was a really good fight. I think um, they they hit him a few times. You know, a lot of they're not used to Canelo getting hit, but yeah. I think Daniel did he did pretty good, but being that in, in a in a different way, um he he moved up, right? He moved up. So would you be uh, able would you have trouble going doing down? your same process if somebody guaranteed you three hundred and thirty million dollars? Yeah, I would love that. Well, I'm sure you would love the money part, but I'm always <laughs> that that's so we're just in such a weird era of boxing now, because for decades it was like if you win this fight then this will happen mm -hmm. and now we're entering this era where like if you beat joshua again somebody's gonna offer you you know a five fight deal for whatever and then it's kind of up to you to live up to it in a lot of ways yeah it's just we've yeah. never seen this before canelo i think is fine that would be really good man and um but first i still i'm still signed with pbc and with all Heyman, so whatever they have um for me it, it's always a blessing who is the most surprising celebrity who reached out to you over the last three days, other than myself? Um, hmm. Anybody uh, that you Dwayne, um, The Rock. He, the Rock reached out to you? He, he, he messaged and, and said that um, it was a really good fight, that he's seen me train. And um, he, he kind of smelled that it was going to be like a little upset and all that. God, I um, wish I had smelled it at those odds. <laughs> I wish I had gotten a whiff. Um... You know, the, the, I, there's right now my Instagram is is, is blowing up, so I, I haven't really had a lot of time to see all the stuff. How many followers do you have now? Almost a million. How many did you have a week ago? 60,000. Shut up. Seriously? 60,000. You're up at a million now? Almost. I think it's like Oh, you're going to be at like 10 million in three months. That's crazy. What about what about commercials and stuff like that? Have you been offered that? You must have. Um... I haven't done the commercials right now. But right you now, must have been offered them. Uh huh. We're right now we're working on the sponsors for, uh, for Snickers. We're working on Smart. that right now. You, well, you said what did you say about the Snickers after the fight? You said you have one before every fight, right? I have one before the fight, and and every sadly, fight or just that fight? Every fight, but but sadly they didn't let me they didn't let me eat the the Snickers for the Anthony Joshua fight. I, uh -oh. I don't have I don't know why. Um, what do you mean they didn't let you? They did not let me. I, I don't know why. And all the other fights, they, they would let me. But for this specific fight, they didn't they didn't let me eat my candy bar. And I was I was really upset. I was mad. But um, they were telling me something about the drug testing and oh, like the peanuts could. Yeah, but I, I don't know. But I was I was upset. I so needed I needed my Snicker bar, <laughs> and I probably would have put them down even earlier. But <laughs> it's six red. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you should, maybe, uh, I don't know, you could open it up to any candy bar, highest bidder. Yeah, right. Maybe Kit Kat could come in. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Are yeah. you married? Are you dating? Um, I'm, I'm, it's like if I'm married. I'm not really married yet, but I am. I got five kids. I'm with my girl. Her name is Julie Lemos. What was her reaction to this? She was really happy. She was surprised, just like my mom. But they always told me, like, babe, you got it. You're going to win. You're going to shock the world. And what do you know? Even my dad. My dad's always been telling me this. You're going to shock the world. And sometimes I didn't have confidence in myself. And I was like, no, like, I'm just a chubby guy, man. Everyone's so big. Everyone's so tall. 
everybody looks like a big robot, you know, like a big, huge robot. And yeah, but maybe, maybe that's a good thing for you. Yeah. Cause you're old school. I'm old school. And then I, I started believing myself and should I just let my, well, as soon as I let my hands go is. How old is your oldest kid? Um, he's seven. So my, he, my did you watch? My son was watching. He was really happy, proud oh my of God. me. He was really happy. Then was is he a third? Did you go? Th- he's Andy Reid's a third, exactly. Wow, I didn't do the uh, third. No. Yeah, I, I named my son. I'm a I'm a junior, and I I went uh I went different name for my son. No, but now no. I kind of regret it. Mm. Would it would have been fun to carry it on. All right. So what are the what is like the next? Week look for you. When, next, when is all this media stuff done? You've done been doing so interviews I'm, nonstop. Yeah, I haven't even gone home. I haven't got to rest. Haven't been home. Haven't seen my kids. But after after this beautiful interview that we just did, um, I'm going to the PBC um, to the premieres boxing. Um, I'm gonna do that, and then I'm gonna drive back home, see my kids, and by the next week on Monday, I'm gonna see the president of Mexico. Incredible. That's amazing. He requested this. He requested it. He he wrote something. Hey, um, para mi tocayo. Um, that means all oh, for my fellow yeah uh, Mexican. Uh, I want to congratulate you, and I want to I want to uh, meet you in person, and this and that. So my eyes, my eyes, fucking, they just opened up. I was like, whoa, what the heck, man? This is really, this is real, you know. I'm trying to think what are what are the other massive sports things going on other than Canelo because the the soccer team hasn't been doing that great. Mm-hmm. They have the professional league. What who's the biggest Mexican baseball player right now? I don't know. Um, matter of fact, I just got a call from Fernando um, Valenzuela. You know the oh, the one. Yeah, we so, did a documentary about him. Oh once. really? Yeah, that was so his huge. son. His son called me today and he told me that his dad would want to. He wants to meet me, and he wants me to throw the first pitch somewhere in Cancun um, with him. So that that's a, a big honor. You'll be know. getting the Dodgers call. Would be my guess. Oh yeah, that'll I, definitely be one. I was gonna do the Dodgers, yeah. but they 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 wanted me to go the the same week that I was leaving to New York. Uh-huh. So we didn't get to do that. I'm. You might be too famous to stay where you are now. You might have to move to Los Angeles, the city of celebrities. I'm I'm gonna move to um, San Diego. San Diego, I'm that's moving, smart. I'm moving to San Diego because um, yeah, you're like a legitimate celebrity now. I know it happened you, fast, man. but now it it's like really you're fast. the fucking champ now. Yeah, but um, people are gonna want to make movies out of this. You're gonna have all these. It's nuts. Here's my advice: keep your eyes on the rematch. Mm-hmm. Let all, don't worry about all this other stuff Let, You have all these people in your life They can handle it You gotta beat Joshua again If you beat Joshua again Legend That's it mm-hmm. Then then, you, then you're gonna get like a 5-6 fight deal You'll be able to do whatever you want yep. State this December What You think it'll be December? And, um, it all depends if they're ready in December We'll, we'll I, be ready of course you know But um, I thought it was weird how he handled the Aftermath of that fight too the whole thing was weird. Spinning out the mouthpiece was weird. How like happy he was for you after? I've never seen that with I mean, it was a great sportsmanship, but it was also mm-hmm. like I kind of wanted him to be madder that he lost. 
and he just seemed like genuinely happy for you. I, I, I just, just, it was just a weird vibe. I just feel like he was embarrassed. Like, man, yeah. I just got beat up by this fat little kid. What the heck? And in the interview, he was saying, man, I prefer it would have been Wilder to knock me down instead of Andrew Ruiz, but it's his night, so... He said that? He said that on the, That's uh, on the interview. Yeah, I'd file that one away for later in the year. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, this this chubby kid got him. Well, my money's on you next time. Thank this was you. great. Congratulations. I this is such that. a cool time, Thank too. You. I love sometimes when we do... We interview a lot of people, obviously. It's fun to catch somebody at a really cool moment of their mm -hmm. life and their career. So good luck with everything. Thank you, man. Right. I appreciate that. All right, thanks to The Zone. Don't forget to go to DAZN.com and you can sign up and you can get the Ruiz-Joshua rematch. Some programming notes here. Monday night after game five, Rosillo and I, I don't know how long it's going to go, Kyle. We could be there all night. I'm Have to get good food. Could I'm be prepared. some John and Vinny's again. Again. Yeah, John and Vinny's. We had it before uh, or during game three and it was great. Might have to do it again. Um, so that's happening Monday night, no matter what happens in the game. Me and Rosillo, and then Tuesday night, rewatchables Dead Poets Society. So that's it. Enjoy the rest of the weekend and happy birthday, Tommy Alter, our dude. All right, we'll see you.